This is your drug court program. I told you that we started at 11, and that's when I want you here. Have you had any drugs? I'm telling you this, that if you don't do this program, you'll end up back in custody. Okay. From the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago, I'm Gwen Maxi, and this is ReSound. What did you Then when I was about 13, I tried heroin, and um, I know this sounds stupid, but I loved it. it. It gave me a bit more confidence, and then it wrecked my life. You're on a suspended sentence. She has a lengthy criminal record, and they end up losing their kids. So this is the last chance for me. ReSound is a remix of music, documentaries, found sound, sound bites, podcasts, playlists, and little hits of audio we find all over the world. We listen to everything we can get our ears on, then bring you the best of what we hear each week on ReSound. How are you financing your drug habit? Uh, breaking into houses. Breaking into cars was a big one. Always get money from that. You spent time in prison? Yeah, yeah, I've spent a lot of time in prison. Drug addiction is expensive. There's the financial cost of the drugs themselves, which leads seekers to steal, often leading to prison time. And then there's the psychological cost, which ruins families, physical and mental health, careers, and relationships of all kinds. But there's a great experiment going on in Australia where specialized courts have evolved to help addicts recover by dismissing the lock and key method and instead taking an integrated approach to the problem. Up until now, the workings of the court have been closed to reporters. But after a year of seeking permission, Australian producer Sharon Davis was finally allowed to follow a number of addicts through the drug court process. Today on ReSound, we bring you the first of her three-part series. Here is Inside the Drug Court, The Last Chance. And just a note before we start, some of the material in this hour might not be suitable for all listeners. There has been times if I did have a gun in my hand, I probably would have shot myself just to stop it. The heroin habit you're on has raged in intensity. At the highest, she instructs, it was costing her $1,000 per day for that habit. The sensation, the rush, all that, a lot of it's all about the needle. I had no idea what I was doing. And I had blood all over me, my ex-girlfriend's blood, yeah. I sometimes feel that I've seen every prison and every police station in New South Wales. The day we come out of jail, we had $46,000 to our name, and that money was gone in six weeks. On cocaine? Yeah. We've got unadmitted drug use, multiple failures to attend. It's a house of cards that's fallen over. I see it as you pretty much turn into the devil become so evil, you don't care, you can hurt your family, hurt your friends, hurt everybody around you. This is your drug court program. I told you that we started at 11 and that's when I want you here. If you don't do this program, you'll simply go back into custody. I don't give a fuck about the program, especially about that dog up there, Dive. I've just fucking had enough. If he even attempts to put me away again, I'll jump the dock and I'll belt him. 
This is the last chance for me. It's Monday morning, almost 11am, at the Parramatta District Court. Already a crowd has gathered outside the courtroom, waiting for the doors to be unlocked. It's a mixed group, men and women, some in their 20s, others approaching middle age. No one here looks well off. They wear tracksuits and worn joggers, or thongs and t-shirts that show the amateur scratchings of prison tats on their bodies. Some sit in silence on the bench, looking down at the ground, their hands clenched. Others talk loudly, familiar with each other and the weekly routine. This is the largest of the three drug courts now operating in New South Wales. And each person appearing here has a long history of drug abuse and drug-related crime. She appears before the court today for initial sentence. I tender a copy of her criminal record, which uh, includes uh, Victoria, Queensland and New South Wales, together with a copy of her traffic record and her custodial records. Any objection? Thank you. Uh, Your Honour, the facts are... Uh, a straightforward matter number one of driving whilst disqualified and she was stopped by police for the purpose Dee of... Dee sits in the dock in Prison Greens, listening closely as the Crown Prosecutor lays out the case against her to presiding judge Ian Barnett. She's been in prison for the last 22 days, picked up on driving and shoplifting charges. This is not the first time she's been in jail. She has a long criminal record that began when she was a teenager. The first time I started taking drugs and alcohol, I was about 12 years old. I tried tablets, Rohypnols. That was the beginning of the end for me. Then when I was about 13, I tried heroin. And um, I know this sounds stupid, but I loved it. I, I liked the feeling that it gave me. I liked that. I didn't think or worry about anything. and. It, it gave me a bit more confidence and then it wrecked my life. She has a lengthy criminal record which commenced in 1989 when she received bonds from the Children's Court for break into and steal and steal a motor vehicle. There were further matters before the Children's Court and in 1991 she was indicted for in company with person armed assault with intent to rob with wounding for which she was ordered to serve a minimum term of three and a half years with an additional term of 14 months in a detention centre. The record throughout the 1990s includes... Things are really getting out of control because I started committing crimes. Before I knew it, I was up on armed robbery charges just before my 14th birthday. Um, and someone actually got hurt. The man was actually shot and lost his spleen. My co-offender shot him because he wouldn't let go of me. And... Um, these are the things you don't think of. All we thought about was we didn't want to be sick, but, you know, like, that man had a family, like, had little kids. Um, he's on a walking stick and that now, you know, like, but I was a 14-year-old kid. I didn't... I thought it was all a big game. I didn't realise the people that were hurting. So you ended up in a juvenile institution yeah. with a six-year sentence on your hand? Yeah. I was released when I was 18. She's age 34, she's single, she's the mother of uh, girls um, and the son, aged 14. I was doing crime every day, like 
jumping counters, um, stealing from shops, doing number jobs on cars, um, selling drugs. And your partner was involved as well? Yeah, and I knew he wouldn't let anybody hurt me. And he's still like that today. Only um, the drugs have affected him a bit. It's caused him to get a bit schizo and that. They think it's from drug abuse. Mm. You say he looks after you, but you've got a couple of teeth missing at the front oh, there. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like he's, I've had my fair shares of hidings and that from him over him hanging out for drugs or us getting chased and me dropping things or turning on me, like nearly half killing me, shooting at me with the babies in my arm, you know, like running from him. Shooting with a gun? Yeah, yeah. We actually had to have him committed for um, 21 days, the night that he knocked my teeth out and scarred my face and that and shot at me. The kids were horrified seeing their father with a gun in his hand shooting at the car while we're trying to get away and me covered in blood, like... Even though he's done what he's done to me, he's never, ever, like, he might not be a good partner, but you couldn't ask for a better father, honestly. Like, whatever he can do to be involved with the kids, he's there. But that's when he's out of jail. He's in and out of jail a lot too. Thank you. All right, there are three matters for an initial sentence pursuant to the drug court legislation. There are um, two matters of driving whilst disqualified. The third matter is uh, a matter of uh, shoplifting and uh, a number of items at a value of $326 were taken. Pursuant to the drug court legislation, you are convicted of these matters and uh, accordingly um, then those sentences are suspended to enable you to commence your drug court program today. I've really had enough. My mind's tired, my body's tired. Um... Who am I to bring these kids in this world and go to jail, you know, every now and again or leave them, you know, for my mum to look after and that? What do you think your drug use has done to your kids? It's, it's destroyed them in ways, like, because they've lost their mother and fathers for long periods of time and they don't understand, what, you know, why, why did you do it for? Why you just go to jail and leave us? You know, what can I say? Oh, because, you know, I was a weak, putrid cunt and put drugs before years. Because that's what I did. You'll be taken down now to the uh, office to provide a benchmark urine and um, sign up on your treatment program. We understand that your drug addiction might go away tomorrow, and uh, you know that. But we will work with you while you're open and honest and, and engaging with us and with your treatment providers. But it, look, your time in life, it's time to make a change. And uh, I just hope that we can help you do that. All right, thank you. I just really worry about my son, like, at the moment because of the trouble he's getting into. And, you know, like, he got locked up the other week. And he's been locked up twice before. You know, I don't want that life for him that me and his father had. I don't want that for him at all. And I've just really had enough of the drugs. I've just... All they've done all my life is destroyed all, everything I've ever had or made me lose everything I've ever had. And it's getting to that point where I'm going to end up losing the kids and if I lose them, I've got nothing. I can't handle that. So this is the last chance for me. 
I'm Pat, I'm one of the nurses here, so I'll be seeing quite a bit of you. Um, we'll just explain the part in the bathroom yep. before we go in. You do need to wash your hands before you provide a urine here now. Um, make sure your hands are dried very thoroughly. When you provide urine, your hand must remain dry. So if you present with a wet hand, when you give me your, your, your jar that I give to you, I'll be requesting a second urine. Yep. Okay. okay, so we're ready to go. Yep, let's go. Get you on the road at last. Yeah, I was going really well. I was out of trouble for about just nearly on two years mm. and um, we had three funerals and then I started using, I got done for driving, I got a copper stealing charge. For Dee, this is the first stage of induction into the program. She's been on drug court before, so she knows the ropes. The court runs its program based on a series of sanctions. Non-compliance with any aspect counselling, parole and drug use costs a one-day jail penalty. If you use drugs and lie about your use, you get a three-day sanction. Sanctions are not enforced immediately. When the penalty accumulates to between 10 and 14 sanctions, you risk going back to jail, to a special detox unit run by the drug court. Silence or stand. His criminal history begins in 1995 in the Children's Court and he has a number of offences of dishonesty, offences involving knives and some He started his drug taking at the age of 14 and the drug of choice at the time was heroin. His formative years there was some family upheaval as a result of that his parents placed him into a boys home at the age of 10 or 11 without going into too much detail because it's a deep source of embarrassment. He was subjected to physical abuse at the hands of his superiors who belonged to a church. Repeated abuse over the course of about 12 months. That's why he turned to heroin at the age of 14 when he was living on the streets around the Surrey Hills and King's Cross area. Jeremy is 32 years old. He's been using heroin for 17 years and has been jailed eight times. Because he's been admitted to the drug court program, he'll be released into the community to try to begin the long journey away from his addiction. I had a lot of depressing memories from, from my childhood that I wanted to mask. <laughs> Are you happy to talk about them? No. Now something happened to me in a boy's home and... I think saying that alone is an, it gives you the right idea of what happened. And um, that's one of the main reasons why I used heroin, because <laughs> have, have some of that and that's it. All my problems just drift away. How are you financing your drug habit? Uh, breaking into houses. Breaking into cars was a big one. Always get money from that. You spent time in prison? Yeah, yeah I spent a lot of time in prison. Hi, I'm, I'm Phyllis, and um, I've just got to go through all your paperwork with you, and I'll yeah. go through it just as me to sign, quickly sign as I can. I will, because I know you're in a rush to get out, and I can understand that. So I'll give you a pen. No, I just want to have a cigarette. Okay. Is it? Well, do you want to have one now, and then we go that's through the paperwork? That's what I've been asking. Yeah, that's fine with me. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, that's okay, because it takes a been little in while. Cell since 5 o'clock this yeah, morning. Yeah, that's all right. Do you know how to get out and come back in? I'll show you. Yeah, 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 I've seen that. Cool. Okay, well, I'll wait for you then. Uh, then that's fine. That's not a problem. Thank you. 
I've had enough. I've got a five-year-old daughter and I've only been in her life three of those years. Can I ask you what sort of impact do you think all those years of drug abuse have had on you? Yeah, I'm institutionalised in, in, in one sort of sense. You mean you're used to jail? Or... Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I think I'm better off in there. <laughs> There's no responsibility for my life. Let me put an example. Free rent, free clothing, three meals a day and extra food. You don't have to pay for electricity. You don't have to pay for a phone bill. You get employed in jail. If you want drugs, there's drugs in there, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, honestly, in some cases, it's a better life for me in there. Because when I come out here, it's just hell. <laughs> yeah. I've got your treatment plan here. Okay, yep. It just says you're on methadone, your court days, your test days. Yep. They've put a, a further clause on there. It just says if you commit any yeah, friends in violence knives, yep. or knives... You'll be kicked off the program, you know. Um, this is your um, undertaking to the program. Mm, um, speed right yeah, number one just says you've got to be honest with the program and it's got to take priority over everything else in your life. And the reason for that is if you weren't on drug court, you'd be in custody. Uh, number two is about your drug use. Um, obviously, try not to use while you're on the program or hang out with people that do use. They can't be helped. All my friends are drug users. Okay, just don't have any implements on you yeah, um, to do with drug I taking. Use drugs. Don't worry about or, um, So that won't be an issue for you then. Uh, number three is your drug tests. You know, you'll be doing three a week to start yeah. with. If you attempt to do a false test or a bodgy, um, that's obviously a very serious breach and, and you can get terminated from the program for that. As well as sanctions for drug and alcohol use, participants must keep all their drug test, parole and counselling appointments. Any breaches also count as sanctions against them. A parole officer can visit their home at any time. Each stage of the three-step program requires different commitments. In this first stage, for the next 12 weeks, Jeremy and the others must do three urine tests a week and attend court at least once a week to report back on their progress. There's a 7pm curfew at night. My name's Roger Dive. I'm the senior judge of the drug court here at Parramatta. I've been doing this work for eight or nine years now and before that for many years as a magistrate mainly in the children's court and country and city courts. It's very different to doing ordinary work. In other courts, you are just dealing with the cases, applying the law and doing your best to provide a, a just and appropriate sentence for someone. In this jurisdiction, the focus is completely different. It's actually how can the justice system be used to make change within someone's life. So trying to come up with a solution for their long-term recovery from drug addiction and their need to resort to crime, providing them with a way to recover rather than just simply dealing with the court case. Yes, uh, stand up please. My mother's Filipino, my father's English. They came to Australia when they were very young looking for a new life. And yeah, I was raised in Sydney until about the age of eight and my father passed away. 
And I think that's where most of my troubles stem from because I didn't have a father, like a male role model in my life. Your Honour, you'll note that Mr was found at Liverpool Plaza, that he was clearly affected by substances and that he had in his possession at the time a number of pills and also heroin along with some cash. The most um, aggravating feature, the Crown would say, of this scenario is that, of course, it was a week to the day since he was released from his prison sentence to parole. And so, accordingly, he was in the community on conditional liberty when these offences were... Yeah, I started going to a private school, started going to raves, and then that's when I got into LSD, speed, ecstasy, and did that for at least two, three years from... 15 to 17. Somebody introduced heroin into the crowd and eventually it ended up going the whole way through and we all got addicted to heroin. Then we had to start committing crimes. It wasn't long before Mick was armed, robbing homes and factories and selling drugs on the street, often fuelled on benzos, drugs like Serapax and Valium. Everybody knows with benzos, it's the worst drug you could take. You just really don't know what you're doing. You're just a mess. You're out of it. I see it as you pretty much turn into the devil. You become so evil. You don't care. You can hurt your family, hurt your friends. And, yeah, you'll go and do crime without even thinking about it. No fear, no panic, not worrying if you're going to get caught. Whatever it is is in your mind, you'll go do it. What about your mum at this time? Did she realise that there was something going wrong? Yeah, she found... A syringe and she was so upset devastated but I was a full-blown addict what could I do the whole way through my drug addiction she has tried to help me she's been a really supportive mother couldn't ask for anything more obviously she's been disappointed all the time but um, I don't think she'll ever stop ever losing hope that I'll eventually beat this drug addiction I've got your treatment plan here and you've got two special conditions on your program one is you've got to consume no alcohol and you've got a no further supply. Okay. Okay? Any one of those two, you need to be terminated from your program. Okay. All right. A bit of a sign. What do you think your drug use has done to your family? Uh, it's just devastating. I have taken money from my mum when she was asleep and... I have done things like that. In my family, I'm the only one that's ever had a drug problem. What do you think it's done to you? Oh, everything. It's made me a, a mess, a wreck, emotionally, financially, career-wise, everything. I've got nothing, no job skills, no career, no education. Like I pretty much got out like I'm an 18-year-old kid with nothing and I have to start again. Now... Understanding that every human's different, the minimum the program can take is 12 months. Right? But if we see that you're trying, we understand that people take a little bit longer to find their feet rather than other people. Okay. Okay. So don't be too hard on yourself. Yep. Okay. Try to make the most of it. All right. Because second chance. Yeah. Thank you. No worries. All right. There was a field visit on the 7th of September. Reasons behind lapse on the 4th discussed. Said mum was not willing to take her medication for chemotherapy treatment. Each day the court starts with a team meeting. 
a critical part of the drug court process. All the members of the team, police, probation and parole, corrective services, health, counsellors, legal aid and the presiding judge sit around a large table and report back on the progress of people on the program, including the results of their urine tests. Thanks. Um, urine's after the 7th. The 10th is morphine trace, no admission. 13th, clean. 14th, clean. Although I was given access to these meetings, their discussions are confidential and reach into the intimate details of the participants' lives. They attempt to solve the many problems that long-term drug users have. Problems like lack of housing, child custody and domestic violence issues, or mental health problems. So when did she last do counselling? They don't have the last attended thing, but it would have been probably the end of August was the last appointment. These meetings mean that by the time people get in front of the court later that morning, the judge already knows if they've got any major issues occurring, if they've taken drugs in the past week, if they've been home for parole visits and if they've attended counselling. All requirements to stay on the program without penalty. ...to advise that she was not available for the home visit as she was in so much pain from having her teeth removed, she had attended the doctor and then the dentist. Can you follow up, sir? That's yeah. sometimes quite a shock to the participants because um, they're used to the justice system being slow and cumbersome. Um, they're not used to us being up to date and sharing information. Just recently we were following someone who um, should have been coming into court and hadn't arrived. We were keeping in touch with him on his Facebook page. I've issued warrants by text, so I think we're moving with the times a little bit there. It's the first few weeks of her drug court program, and Dee is not getting off to a good start. Sorry. As a result of her drug addiction, her life is complicated and chaotic. Why were you so late? Um, we've been with the police. I think the police have my son in custody now. Um, he took my purse this morning and took the money out of my purse. He didn't go home last night, which is breaking his curfew. I'm breaking his bail because he's out on bail. About 25 minutes ago, um, my mum rung me and said that they think they've got him. And All right. That's pretty bad. I understand that. But I want to say this. This is your drug court program. I told you that we started at 11 and that's when I want you here, right? I know that that is traumatic and all that type of thing, but if you don't do this program, you'll simply go back into custody. I rung, I've rung the registry. I don't care who you have rung. I'm telling you this, that if you don't do this program, right, if you are off chasing other people, albeit your son, you'll end up back in custody. Okay. You know that? Yeah. You're on a suspended sentence. Have you had any drugs? Um, I had a use this morning. What did you use? Um, heroin. And I've got a problem with the clinic that I'm assigned to. You'll be sanctioned one day for that, and that sanction is suspended at this stage. The other thing is I want to say is don't bring your children to court. This is not a place for children. I know it's the school holidays and it becomes a bit awkward or whatever, but don't bring them to court. I'm okay? sorry. Because you are here 
reporting back to court in a situation where they don't need to hear all this? Yeah. Do they? No. No, they don't. Well, don't bring them back. I was horrified the way he went on. I was dirty with the judge. Like, I was in tears, like, you know, my son's walking in mine in his father's footsteps. He's robbed me. He's robbed me cousin. And, like, he was like, I don't care. This isn't about your son. This is, you know, about you. You need to get yourself better. And, well, you heard him. He just didn't want to hear it. Like, he was filthy with me. I, I was I was horrified. And I was angry with him. I was like, you know, like, how dare you? I'm crying out for help here. Help me. I don't know what to do. And all you want to do is rattle me cage. D, week two. A lot's been happening, a lot. I've had a really bad week, a really, really bad week. I had a use on on the second. Um, my son drove me absolutely insane to the point where I really, really thought about pulling his bail, put a hole in my wall upstairs, terrorised the neighbours. I'm in and out of police stations for four and six hours at a time and I'm missing groups, I'm missing urines. Um, like, I get that frustrated where where I actually um, have to get away from him and I have gone and used because I don't know what else to do. That was the first thing that came to my head. It was the first thing I knew how to, like, calm myself and bring myself down and... Um, and it's stupid. It's it's stupid. Like, I don't want to do that every time that, you know, like, I'm in a hectic situation. It's hard not to like Dee. She laughs a lot, and at least in court, is very honest. She could be anyone's daughter or anyone's mother, if it weren't for a lifetime of crime and drug abuse. I started using because, um, not because of like what happened when we were kids, like I was never molested, raped or anything like that, or never bashed. I started using drugs and that because I was interested why everyone else was doing it, this, you know, this mad feeling, this high they were chasing. Um, I was actually caught a liar once by um, another counsellor in the jail saying that I need to come to terms with and start dealing with and admitting what happened to me in my childhood. I'm a fine example of a person that has been molested or sexually abused at a young age. Oh, I wanted to kill her. That's not why I started using drugs. I started using drugs because I was curious. You know what? When I was um, 12, I got locked up for a lot of years and the governor used to come around once a month and, like, check our cells and stuff like that. I'll never forget it. He was horrified when he walked into my thing because I'd done all these stuff on the computer, A4 size, like, love hearts and that, and I've got heroin real big in one with love hearts. And his face went from a big smile and it just dropped. And he was horrified. And when I think about it now, I was like, oh, my God, you know, like, where was my head? Oh, who does that? But I did, I really, I, 
I loved it, you know, I loved the feeling, I loved the energy and the confidence that it gave me and if I didn't want to deal with something that helped me, like I thought, I thought it was my best friend for a while there. Mick, week one. First report back to court. The first question I always ask is as to whether there's been um, any drug use? No drug use? Okay. Certainly all the reports I've got are looking good. With Wayback certainly telling us you've done everything as far as they're concerned. And I think it was particularly good what you did with your probation officer that you rang when you got home. You're a little bit late home, but you rang. I thought that was very impressive. All right. Any questions for us? No? Okay. We'll see you next Thursday, the 11th of March, then. Okay, well done today. What's it like for you to stand up in the court and have a different relationship with the judge? It can be a bit intimidating in the start because you've never actually talked like this with a judge and everybody's there, everyone's listening, everybody's watching. But I reckon it's a great feeling when he starts to clap and the whole court claps for you. It's a great feeling because you feel like you actually achieved something and what you're doing is it's meaning something like it boosts your self-esteem. <laughs> yeah. As I've just started, I haven't actually gone in there and been told off yet, so I hope to not even get one sanction. But it's, you know, it's early days, you don't know what's going to happen. Would you like to come down? Jeremy, week one. Now, this is your first report back to court. Now, I know you've admitted having some heroin and cannabis, I think, on Thursday. Now, has there been any drug use since then? No, there hasn't. Okay. There were circumstances to why I used. Okay, and I did hear there was, there was a lot of pretty upsetting things that you found out when you came out from custody, yeah? yes? One of the things your counsellor and the program generally will be trying to help you do is not respond to bad news by drug use. I understand that. But you've admitted your drug use, which is very important. We treat that as a treatment issue if it's admitted. You were late though for your counselling yesterday. How come you ended up being late for the appointment? Well, um, my brother come down from Newcastle right. and, um, and after collecting him from the train station I went straight to the appointment. Okay, well don't do that, alright? You know, you just need to put your Drug court commitments first. Yes, sir. Without it, you'd be in jail, so you wouldn't be picking anyone up from I the know, station. I told him that. All right. Okay. Now, there's a sanction, which is a day in jail for various breaches of the program. So today we've got used heroin, used cannabis, and late fear counselling. I'll make it two sanctions, not three, even though there's three breaches there. I'll round it up in two. I'm pleased that there's been no drug use since last Thursday. That's important. It is difficult to settle onto the program and, you know, it's a bit of a whirlwind of activity, all the things you have to do and... have kept you busy. All right, well, sometimes you can be busier than you've been in a long time, so... All right, and back next Wednesday, then the 10th. OK. All right. How did you feel standing up there in front of the judge today when you had to admit to your heroin use? Very disappointed in myself. I had this deep feeling in my gut that I might have stuffed up my chances here. 
It's not a very good look for the first week out, but let's face it, with some people that have been on drugs their entire lives, no matter what, they're going to use as soon as they get out. Moving away from your old social circles and your old patterns is probably one of the hardest things, wouldn't it be? I'm finding it hard, but to be honest with you, you just got to find other things to fill your day up with. My old thing would be I'd go to the pub, see everyone, get a list of what they wanted, spend the day thieving and then spend the rest of the day on drugs. But now I've got plans with each day that keeps me away from all this crowd. So. What sorts of things? I'm trying to get my own place so I've got somewhere to take my daughter plus all these other things like counselling and that. One of the things that people would be surprised by is that a certain amount of drug use is tolerated, particularly if it's admitted drug use. There are other drug courts where you use your back in. What's the point of that tolerance? In my opinion, if you don't have that level of tolerance by treating it as a health-related issue, you are never going to succeed. So we have to work this fine balance. I will be punishing someone for using speed twice this week. They will tell me what an incredible achievement it is that they only use twice this week, that they used to use six or seven times a day. And so I do walk that line of saying, I'm really pleased that your drug use is reducing. However, we want the full banana here. We want you to give up using it at all you know, through the week watching the um, participants and how long a week is for a drug-addicted person does make it almost embarrassing. The ordinary orders available to judges and magistrates as to you know good behaviour bonds for 12 months, two years, three years, which really just tell prisoners to go and rearrange your life, please, and stay out of trouble for three years, but we're not actually going to do anything to help you achieve that. I now see the fallacy of any expectation that could be possible when I will see someone on a Thursday who's used drugs only once this week and then I'll say, well, let's see if you can get through to Monday without any further drug use. And that's an achievable short-term goal. Being an addict, it's a very hectic and tiring lifestyle. You're always running around doing this. People don't realise... My mum used to say, I wish you'd put as much energy into getting clean as you do fucking faving and getting money for that shit. You know what I mean? And when you sit back and think about it, that's why we're all so skinny, all the running around and that. We do. It's not just the drugs, it's the running around, jumping fences and, gee, you wouldn't believe the lifestyle things like, you know, I used to do. You would not believe it. I'd be up out of that door at 9 o'clock and the kids have gone to school, I'd be back at 2.30 and I would not stop thieving all day from shopping centre to shopping centre, Bondi to MacArthur, MacArthur, back out to Blacktown, Wollongong and... Seriously. Always shops? Yeah, shops. Always shops. That's how I used to justify I'm not hurting people, I'm not breaking into houses, I'm not taking their private things. That's how I used to justify it to myself anyway, you know. It made me sleep better at night because I wasn't actually interfering with people's lives, you know what I mean? Whatever. (laughs) 
my mind and my body was getting really tired too. Like I was, I was really getting sick of it. Mick, week three. I had a bit of a panic attack a couple of days ago where, I don't know, for some reason I just got real stressed out. It just a big adrenaline rush like came through my body and I just sort of freaked out, probably just freaking out about being out and on the drug court. Just got a bit overwhelming. And when I was standing there on the train, I was just shaking. I felt like I was trembling. A lot of thoughts racing through my head. Sometimes even when I'm trying to sleep in my room, I get real paranoid in there and I think that, like, you know, someone's out there or something like that. And I keep waking up every hour, opening the door, just having a look. I don't know if that's just from jail or if that's from the chemical imbalance in my head. That's another thing I've got to talk to the doctor about today too. I'm already on antidepressants. I've suffered from depression for as long as I can remember. But I'm trying to get on top of it now. I feel a lot better, more stable now than I did a few years ago. And you were saying to me just before that you've cut off contact with all of your other friends. Yeah, I have to. Every time I end up hanging around them again, because they still use, like, they've been shooting up in front of me, taking drugs in front of me, but it just eventually wears me down. Like, I end up saying, look, can I go halves with you? And that's when it starts and doesn't end until I end up locked up or, yeah. Sometimes I miss them, I get lonely. All right. How are you today? Good, thanks. That's good. Has there been any drug use? No drug use. You made a very good start, it's only a couple of weeks, but you seem to have settled straight into the program, just doing everything. All your drug tests are coming back drug-free, everyone seems happy with your progress. All right, how about we see you in a week's time then? And well done, keep it up. Mick has been going well so far. It's the second time he's been on the drug court program. He was on once before, but only lasted a couple of weeks. He's staying with some other drug court participants at a Wayback House. It's run by a residential rehab program that helps you get back on your feet. But there's been some problems there. Actually, the first night I got out, there was a guy there with a bong on the kitchen table, some marijuana, um, he had a bottle of pills that he was shooting up, alcohol bottles everywhere, the house was this pigsty, it stunk, it was a mess. And I thought, oh no, what have I stepped into? I was like, it was doing my head in, I was real stressing out about it. Like, we were really concerned about it, but in the other hand, we thought we can't, because we've still got that prison mentality where you can't dob people in. Like, if you do that in jail, you're known as a dog, and that's the end of you. You don't do it, and I don't know, because I've always been raised like that, I didn't say nothing. They'd done a random house inspection about three days after that, and he'd left everything out on plain view. Thank God they busted him, and then they got him out of there. Okay, well, I hope this week goes well for you. Thank you. Me too. <laughs> I hope I stay just as motivated. <laughs> At least 30% of prisoners have a significant mental health issue, and it's probably about 70% with the females in, in jail. So it's a huge issue, and... Often their drug taking is self-medicating, trying to um, alleviate the symptoms of their mental illness. And so we have to address that. The, the other significant one is, is dental or oral health. If you have terrible toothache, 
then it's very hard to get someone to stop taking the best painkiller in the world, which is heroin, until you get their teeth fixed. So it's those sort of fundamentals of life are, are the things that we're addressing. And then pulling up on the drug use is what can follow. Would you like to come down to the microphone? Jeremy, week two. How are you? Absolutely fantastic. I've had my daughter and I've had it for two, two days. It was probably the greatest time in my life. It was fantastic. Mm. So she's for five, is she? She turns five this year. She come down to stay with me and my parents for two nights. Now, did I hear there might be some good news from the Department of Housing? Um, now that I've got the support letters, I've been told that we're very much in the category for getting them in place. So a lot of things are moving along from All right, well, that's good. And there's been no drug use? No, none whatsoever. Okay. No, things are looking up. They'd want to after last week, wouldn't they? It was a bit miserable, wasn't it? So it's nice it's looking up a bit. We'll see you next Wednesday the 17th then. Well done today. Jeremy, tell me about your past week. I'm out of jail with my daughter. <laughs> That's all that counts for me. Were you having much Not really. contact with her before you went to jail? Not really. I had too much of a drug problem and I wouldn't be able to see her unless I had $100 worth of heroin to get me through the visit, just to be able to you know, spend normal time with her. And Even then it was only like two-hour, three-hour visits because I couldn't stay any longer than that because I had to go get more heroin. Oh, it was horrible. It's the first time you've obviously spent any time out in the community, drug-free. Yeah. What's yeah. that like? Strange. I feel like an outcast because I can't really hang out with any of my old friends. and It's just monstrously hard because they're all running off doing drugs and I'm just left sitting there scratching my head wondering what am I going to do? <laughs> I don't have any new friends because I obviously have the aura and the look of a criminal so it's pretty hard to get straight friends. Maybe the jailhouse tat, just the whole look of me, I don't know. I certainly seem to attract police like flies. Tell you what, it's hard not stealing because it's just so programmed into me like I'd rather steal a toothbrush and toothpaste or soaps and that because I'm so used to asking prison screws and that, you know, give me soap, give me... I need my supplies, you know what I mean? Whereas out here, you have to put your hand in your own pocket. It's just very strange. <laughs> yeah. Today in the drug court, you got clapped. It's a strange shock to the system, trust me. Having a judge applaud you instead of a judge telling you how scum you are and we need to protect the community from you. <laughs> I don't care how hard you're trying to you know, fix yourself. That doesn't come into account. This is the only place I've ever come across where it does. How hard is it for you to stay away from drugs at the moment? Very hard. Do you think about it much? Yeah, all the time. Let me put it this way. If I didn't have my daughter, I wouldn't give a shit. I wouldn't care about the court. I'd just go and use drugs till I ended up back in jail again. But, you know, family comes first. Everything revolves around my daughter. Is there any uh, admissions you need to make today? No. Yeah, all right. Well, we need to talk about some of your tests. On the 8th, 
It shows you've had a pill use. What? Yes. It shows that you took Valium after the pill. No. After Friday. No. No, I haven't taken anything. Anything at all, period. There's no way. No. And then on the 10th, so you've had another heroin. You've used no, heroin, well, I haven't. You've taken medication, but you haven't admitted. All right, so that'll be dealt with as two unadmitted uses. So today you get a six-day sanction, but you have eight days all up now. Now, you've heard what I said about admissions. Oh, so I haven't used your question. Well, <laughs> the thing is that it's not magic that it got into your system. It can get in um, by ingesting it only, and um, your urine shows that that's what has been happening. And that's why we test people so regularly. If you're open and honest with this court right. and, and your treatment providers, then we can work with you. There's no hassle. But if you start not admitting and not being honest with us, then it gets difficult. But at this stage, at these early days, all right, be honest with yourself. Well, that's the thing, Your Worship. I was hoping to wipe off my sanctions. I can't understand how any of it's coming to me system. All right. Well, you can. Ha what I'd like you to do to do though is to um, talk to your counsellor about it. Yep. All right. All right. Okay. Well, look. I'll see you next week. Hopefully, we'll have a better conversation next week. Yeah. Right at then. I was hoping to. Yeah. yeah All right. The sanctions, not. Good. I didn't use a single drug, and they're telling me that I've got all sorts of drugs in my system. Pills and heroin. And I haven't put a needle in my arm, and I haven't touched any pills at all, period. And I'm deeply fucking offended. So basically I've just dropped my brother off at the train station and um, had a bit of a smoker pot with him. And then I come back here to quickly do my piss test, and I admitted to it. And um, they dragged me back in front of the court like some sort of Nazi sort of fucking regime. And, you know, sure, I've used drugs, but like, they just couldn't wait to shove me in front of that judge to, to show everyone. He was remarkably lenient, which in a way I'm glad, but in a way I'm not, because <laughs> I did this in a, as a in-your-face sort of thing. And a few more sanctions and you're back, back in, in jail. jail. Yeah. And there's been no use at all, you no, say? No, no. I've got no use to, to lie to myself or anyone. A week later. Now, okay, now did you do a test today? Yes. And um, any admissions today? No. I, I asked the lady down there, because I used a lot of cannabis on the weekend. I admitted to it. On the 20th? Yeah. Well, so you Hopefully it, it'll all be out of my well, system. Because I haven't used any since. Okay. The situation is that you admitted on Monday for the yep. weekend, but look, um, you've got two dirty urines that you haven't told us about. On the 15th, you've had some morphine or heroin just some time prior to that test. And then on the 17th, You've had a heroin use within about six hours before you did your test. Now, you must admit your drugs. Like, we can't have you just using here, there and everywhere. 
So what I'm going to do today, I'm going to put you back into detox for a fortnight. So you'll get a 14-day sanction for all breaches today and you'll need to go in and serve that and detox again. I'll see you again on the 7th of April. We'll see where we're going. Okay? So what does that mean? It means you're going to go into custody and go back into the detox unit. Inside the Drug Court, The Last Chance, was produced by Sharon Davis for Earshot on the Australian Broadcasting Corporation's Radio National. As we mentioned at the top of the hour, this program was the first episode of a three-part series covering the drug court in New South Wales, Australia. Third Coast's Dennis Funk spoke with the series producer, Sharon Davis. So why were the drug courts a subject that you wanted to look into so deeply? I'm asking because you did you know, three hour-long episodes about it. I've always had a bit of an interest in uh, alternatives to imprisonment. And so I realised that there was this thing going on called the drug court, uh, but nobody knew very much about it. So I went out there and I sat in the court for a couple of days and realised that with every story there was a drama and an incredible backstory behind these people's lives. And also, I had an incredible interest in what the court was doing. So I approached the court and said, I think people need to know what's happening here. And did, did making the programs, did it, did it change your perspective on it in any way? Like, did you go in with any sort of preconceptions that, that were altered? I think the thing that really came home to me was how social dysfunction sets off this trigger at a very young age that then it's very hard to recover from. Uh, The other thing that I think I learned from the drug court is drug addiction is about people's health and particularly their psychological health. And unfortunately, in many countries around the world, we treat it as a criminal issue and it's not. And I mean, and about the courts in general, is are the public pretty receptive of the drug courts? The public don't know much about the drug court. The response that it got here was fantastic because people were saying, wow, I didn't know this program existed. Um, legal aid, apparently, when the programs went out, were inundated with calls saying, I have a son or a daughter in prison. How can I get them onto this program? So I hope we're coming around to the view that you know, dealing with this issue by locking people up is not a solution and that we have to find other more tangible, real solutions to drug addiction. And do you know, I'm just curious, if you know how the drug courts in Australia compare to drug courts uh, abroad at all? There's quite a lot of drug courts in the States. It's one strike and you're out. If you use, you're out. And the courts here are much more open to the notion that to ask a drug addict to stop using overnight is almost an impossibility and bound to lead to failure. So that's quite an interesting difference. That was Inside the Drug Court producer Sharon Davis. She spoke with Third Coast's Dennis Funk. For links to the second and third episodes of Inside the Drug Court, visit our website at thirdcoastfestival.org. 
You've been listening to ReSound from the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago. I'm Gwen Maxi. The program is produced by Dennis Funk and curated by Johanna Zorn and Sarah Geis of the Third Coast Festival. Support for ReSound comes from Emma, a web-based email marketing and communication service helping businesses and nonprofits manage their email campaigns and online surveys in style. More at myemma.com. Support for ReSound also comes from Frontera Grill, Topo Labampo, and Shoco, serving handmade tortillas from organic Mexican heirloom corn. You can find more information, recipes, and inspiration at rickbayless.com. The Third Coast International Audio Festival is a nonprofit arts organization made possible with lead funding from the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation and the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. Additional support is provided by the Agadino Foundation, the Menaki Foundation, and the National Endowment for the Arts. The Third Coast Festival is supported in part by a grant from the Illinois Arts Council Agency. Special thanks to our many individual contributors from Chicago and around the world. The Third Coast Festival, now an independent arts organization, was originally founded at WBEZ Chicago. ReSound returns next week with more radio that you can't hear anywhere else unless you live everywhere else.